Hi, I'm Ben Strivens. He's John O'Scott. Hi. And we, we watched, watched anything. anything. We trawl the depths of Netflix to find three films of the same genre, of the same genre, and watch them so you don't have to. I take one, he takes one, and there's one we both watch. So you know what to add to your list, or smash with your fist. Welcome everyone to this, our 15th podcast, and our first one in December. So it almost feels kind of festive, although... You look at your screen and looking at my screen, neither of us has any decorations up just yet. But we are edging into the festive season, which is quite exciting. It is very exciting. So are we going to do Christmas films? Not no, yet, not no. Yet. no. <laughs> Although I have seen that. See, a, a big big, um, a big watchword for the two of us. Today, I saw my first holidays are coming, holidays oh. are coming <laughs> advert. So uh, now it feels properly the start of the season. Yeah, well, to listeners who don't know Ben, this is a thing with Ben. He really <laughs> loves those Coca-Cola adverts, and he just thinks it's the most exciting thing when he sees the first holidays oh, are coming. I think advert this, is a, this is a pleasure that we've both shared in the past. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, but I, de- I definitely connect it with you. I, I remember liking those ads too. But yeah, just I just remember you <laughs> you enthusing about. Them. It was a conversation we had. I'm guessing about twenty. Million one times. years ago or something, <laughs> yeah. which is insane that those ads have been going on for that long. Yeah, definitely. But I remember I, I, I lived in um, I live in a small town, and um, I remember just seeing a girl crying, and it turned out she was crying because she had missed the visiting Coca Cola lorry. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Is this just really like a very upset. strange dream you had? Because that's quite no, no, bizarre. Because we didn't get Coca Cola lorry. I mean, admittedly, I live in a large town, London, <laughs> but and we don't get sort of you know milk. Well, I, don't, I don't know if they stood it. This was a couple of years ago, but it's a visiting thing. You know, it come and visit small provincial towns where people don't have that much going on. Where people don't and have I think, this Coca-Cola. Well, presumably they give away free Coca-Cola. I don't know. They probably play loud music, a bit of Katy Perry or something. <laughs> this know. is sounding brilliant. I didn't go. You know, I just I just saw a girl looking depressed that she hadn't gone. You know, how did you how did you know that she hadn't? Because uh, she was whining about it. Um, uh, she worked at co-op. <laughs> Oh god, sorry, it wasn't a small girl. No, 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 quite a big girl. <laughs> uh, no, I mean that makes it so, no, I mean she was charming. I want to stop talking about adult. this girl. <laughs> yeah, adult, unless they have yeah. child labor at the co-op these days, which I haven't realized. <laughs> Actually, it does seem quite no. Um that's just cuz you're getting old, Johnny. Yes. Um where were we? Sorry. You, I just introduced the spirit to... of Christmas into this because I'm feeling a little <laughs> bit jingly. I've seen the ad. I've seen the um, thing. But Christmas is not what we're talking about today. We're talking no. today about something entirely different. It's a, it's, a, um, it's a topic that I came up with off the back of last week's. And I decided to throw us into the world of the courtroom drama. Yay. Which I was quite excited about. And there's some good courtroom dramas on Netflix. So it's... Um, well, 12 Angry Men's on there. Well, 12 Angry Men is obviously on there, which is great. Oh, and actually, just briefly, while we mentioned 12 Angry Men, 12 Angry Men is on Netflix, great. But just for interest, everyone, anyone who's a fan of the film, um, it's uh, on Net- on YouTube or anywhere. I think it's on loads of places. But you can watch the original TV live broadcast from 1954 or 5, I think it was, an American TV version of 12 Angry Men. And it's just really interesting. If you're a fan of 12 Angry Men, watching the original TV version oh, wow. of 12 Angry Men is really cool. It's got a couple of the actors who, who ended up in the Sydney Lumet version yeah. in 1957. Um, 
And it, yes, it's just worth watching. It's not obviously it's nowhere near as good. It's only about an hour and a bit long. Oh, it, um, sounds it was great. done sort of well, live. It's a bit clunky. But yeah, it's really interesting. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. Good throwing to people to look at. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things on there. There's Murder in the First. There's Primal yeah. Fear. Um, both um, cracking bits of sort of, I don't know, not modern. But uh, semi-modern, modernish, yeah. modernish, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. modern to um, us. There's some good stuff flashing around, but we don't want to watch any of that because we've seen all of that. And out there, you in Listlerland, you've seen all of that. So we wanted to find something that you hadn't seen, yes. which is our mission in life <laughs> to, to wash through the uh, the dregs the of dregs the soapy of barrel, and see what we can find in Netflix's dirty laundry. <laughs> so. Without further ado, Mr. Scott, what did I hand you? You handed me Red Corner. Which I was quite excited about in a really stupid way. I know, well, so was I. I right, okay, so it, it's Red Corner, it's from 1997, and it's a Richard Gere film. Get in! Yeah, exactly, so straight away, exciting, quite pleased about that. I was never the biggest Richard Gere fan but he's he's grown on me and and I and I do like him quite a lot. It seems to you like that's that sort of an internal affairs style period Richard Gere, isn't it? So he did a lot of kind of like copy dramery, policey, courty, crimey things around then. And it, you know, definitely, definitely. And basically um well, I, I was I was almost, almost tempted to go straight into my review, but I will tell you just this yeah, this is a courtroom drama mm-hmm. and it's set in in China. Richard Gere is a sort of wealthy American businessman. And he's on a business business trip to China, and long story short, he wakes up next to a murdered woman, and he's got blood on his hands, and it's that classic thing. He's been framed, and that's the sort of kickoff. But in fact, it takes you it takes you longer to get there because he's there to do a deal, and it's all to do with some kind of satellite communications deal with the Chinese government. He's there to sort of, you know, he's a big wig, and yeah. he's um, trying to get this. Bloody blah, blah. And then after the deal seems to have gone very well, he goes out, not clubbing as such, but goes out to a sort of, you know, a club in China and sort of strikes up a flirtation with this beautiful woman. Right. They end up in bed together and, and drinking lots of champagne. Then the next morning, she's dead. He's got her blood on her on his hands kind of thing. And then you know that's the start of the of the of the main plot where basically he's thrown in prison. He's um, okay. And so then it's discovered. The... Does he does he call this into the to the quat? No, I think I'm remembering right that basically he wakes up with the police already breaking down the door. I, oh, forgive okay. me, I can't quite remember, but it's almost immediate. Yeah, I mean, you know, watched he's... it so long ago. I <laughs> know it's it's at least an hour ago. No, I can't remember. I can't be expected to remember details. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, but basically, no. The the police are sort of all. I think they. I think he wakes up to find the police more or less knocking down the door. Sure. But um, and uh, yeah. So he's. But basically, the plot is that he's been framed for this murder. Yes. You know from the beginning that he didn't actually do it, and it's um the woman is a uh, she's a powerful Chinese general's daughter, so she's not just sort of a random oh, woman. Right. She's so also it, connected to an important person. It's about the murder of the daughter rather than the framing of gear. Then. No, I mean. It's a bit of both. Okay. It is a bit of both. But basically, it's a, it's a sort of... I mean, from that moment on, he's like, you know, Alice tumbling down the rabbit hole kind of thing. Yeah. And there's sort of, as you can imagine, loads of language barrier stuff going on. And um, there's a certain amount of 
shall we say, abuses of his human rights. Is this a sort of Turkish-style abuse of human rights, or is it a... Yeah, um... yeah, it's kind of in that thing. I mean, we're not in Midnight Express land. I mean, compared to Midnight Express, it's Candyland, but it is in that ballpark, really. Anyway, the important thing is that a new character, because he has a court-appointed lawyer played by Bai Ling. Do you know Bai Ling? No. So she was in Crow. She's been in Crank. She's been in. Oh. She was in an. She was been. She was in an interesting horror film called Three Extremes. One of which. One of the stories was because that was a, a um, sort of portmanteau film yeah, in a way. Yeah. And um, not quite. But anyway, it's. Uh, she was in one called Dumplings, which was all about this creepy old woman who looked young who was feeding um, people, well, women dumplings with um, with fetus meat brilliant <laughs> inside to keep them young kind of thing it was really creepy and she was genuinely good in it yeah but um anyway she is the lawyer in this okay cool. um and so it starts off she doesn't believe that rich she believes richard Gere is guilty everyone believes richard Gere is guilty right and um and it's his struggle to you know he builds up a relationship with her and they try to prove that he's been framed and that you know it's um someone else did the moida Oh. And so they, they, the pair gradually unearth sort of evidence. So a lot of it is set in prison, but there are these scenes like she manages to get him um, out of prison on a sort of day release thing. Yeah. Um, um, and then there's this bit where he sort of, for long story short, gets, there seems to be an assassination attempt, uh, you know, on, his, on an attempt on his life. Mm-hmm. And then there's a sort of rooftop. You know, there's a little bit of action thrillery. Does stuff this take going place well. in a courtroom at any point? Yes, no, no. Oh, it's good. definitely it's definitely courtroom drama, and it's interesting actually. So, like the courtroom scenes, because you, as R- Richard Gere's character, he's got this sort of constant sort of language thing going yeah. on, and the courtroom doesn't seem it's, it's sort of it's confusing to him, and he keeps like he's permanently got to he's got to he's got to say things, and then he's got to wait for the translation to come. And you're as the viewer, you're seeing it as well. Like so, he'll say something in English, then they'll talk to each other in a different language, and then he hears it on his headphones. So, you know, it's just gives, oh, it gives cool. the courtroom this sort of slightly sort of jarring, slightly confusing. You're, you're dragged thing. into it with him kind of thing. You're at the yeah, same sort definitely. of painful level and, he's at. Yeah. And that's one of the things I really liked about it. Um, but <sighs> overall, yes, the thing about this film was that it kept sort of winning me over yeah. and then losing me again and then winning me over and then losing me again. Now, I don't hate Richard Gere. No, not at all. But I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm definitely, but I'm not his number one fan, but I do find, I used to find him quite sleazy. So right at the beginning... I think it's his little piggy eyes. <laughs> he does have tiny piggy eyes that make him look quite sleazy. Yeah, I think you're right. But he, um, he right at the beginning... Yeah, in the seduction sort of scene. Yeah. I just found, he was just like, he was living up to all my, oh, there's creepy Richard Gere being creepy and stuff. And I was like, oh, I really don't <laughs> want to see this. It sounds like you've got personal experience. Well, no, it's just... It's just oh, it's just like, creepy Richard Gere again. <laughs> there, was a, there, was a, there was the whiff of sex tourism, you know what I mean? Oh, uh, like, yeah. It was just yeah, this yeah. kind of American businessman. And, oh, I don't know. I didn't like it. Mm. But then once he was, like like I say, falling down the rabbit hole, uh, once he was the victim, I was sort of, you know, I was swept up in it. I was quite interested to see how it was going on. The direction, let's just say, that is not is nothing special. It's obviously a bit dated because it's from the 90s. Who's, who's it directed by, do you know? Yes, it is directed by John Avnet. Oh. Avnet, yeah, who did, <laughs> as you get this, like, the film he did before this was Up Close and Personal. Yes. And he also did Fried Green Tomatoes. Um, Which I have only seen once, but still remember enjoying most highly. Well, I still I never saw Up Close and Personal, but I remember seeing the trailer for Up Close and Personal and thinking I never want to see. <laughs> I that have a film. suspicion I saw that in the cinema. <laughs> really? It was, going, it was a period when I just saw everything that came out. 
Oh, really? Yeah. yeah well, anyway, I, I've, I've, I haven't seen those films, so I cannot comment on them. But either way, the direction of this is not bad as such. But it didn't see it. Does it's not it's not that groundbreaking, should we say? It's fairly sure. run of the mill. And I think as well, like, um, Bailin is Bailin is very good. But there, I didn't find the scenes when they're together. Yeah. They, there wasn't a chemistry. I was going to say there. there's, I mean, there's no chemistry not, there. They, I didn't. I didn't feel any chemistry, or at least it, it wasn't a very comfortable fit. I, I'll be honest with you. I never find her very warm. Losing me. No, exactly. Yeah, there's definitely an element to that. But I think she's actually well cast in this. She plays the lawyer, this very serious-minded, very intelligent, very smart, cool woman. She plays it quite well, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's quite a cold fish in this to begin with, and that. So. This is the thing. I like <laughs> yes. the courtroom scenes. I really did. Yeah. And I like some of the, the... There's definitely... This could have been in our prison drama, you know, episode. Okay. Because it's quite prisony at times. Nice. Yes, exactly. But there was just these bits where it would kind of go... Oh, dear. Like, the climax. I don't want to give away too much more of the plot because it does get a bit more complicated. But you can... But the climax, let's just say, is... Um, in the courtroom it is satisfying in its own way yeah um but then there are all these like after the climax of the courtroom there are all these kind of extra scenes that and it's like i think the writers sort of thought oh we, this has got to mean a lot so they oh, get really no. cheesy and it's really annoying because by that point I, I was sort of thinking i'm going to recommend this film it's not that good but i'm going to recommend it and say oh it's worth it for this it's worth it for this but then the ending just left left a really bad taste oh, in my mouth damn. it's like it's like it clunked off you know just like like ended on a kind of boom <laughs> Bone kind of sat yeah. by a real bum note, I suppose I'm saying. Like, um, and just yeah, I just I th- I think also <laughs> there's no doubt about it that there's it's not anti-Chinese as such, but it is xenophobic. It's a bit nineties. Yeah, and so, but at the same time, you know, you could argue that all those like Cold War films that we grew up on, mm. uh, you know, it, it weighs it's sort of similar to that. So yeah, I'm yeah. Still always able it's to it's just taken as read that they're bad. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and it's, yeah, it is, but there, obviously there are sort of sympathetic Chinese characters, but yeah, there's a certain element of, of that. But I just thought, I was just really annoyed with it at the end. You know, <laughs> just cause, like I Did say, you feel I, let down? Yes, because it built up some goodwill in me. Yeah, and it does, and it is too long. It's two hours long, more or less. Yeah. I think actually, wait a minute. Yeah, two minutes over two hours. Oh my word! And so I've, you know, I'd, I'd stuck with it, and then it just sort of let me down at the end. And I think it's the kind of film in ways I'd recommend to my parents because it's got a slightly because <laughs> you hate them. <laughs> it's just that, that, that sort of slightly gentle tone. There are no, uh, there are a few gun noises, but there are no really big explosions or anything. Everyone speaks nice and clearly. I was imagining um, that there was some sort of um, chase scene involving him trying to get help from Chinese people who didn't speak English, but I guess that's not true. Oh no, there's a certain amount of that. There's oh. chasing in here. Yeah, there, I mean, there's a rooftop chase sequence. That's that's what I was hoping very much for. of its type. De- I mean, certainly. I mean, compared to like the Bourne rooftop chase sequences, I mean, he looks like he's walking. <laughs> you know, it's very. very I don't big. think parkour and, even invented then, had it? No, exactly. Um, but anyway, I still for Richard Gear fans definitely watch it. Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's quite good. It's got some serious flaws, but it's 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 got some exciting bits. And I think it's worth, like, for, for Bai Ling, she, because this was critical of China's human rights record, her citizenship, she was a Chinese act, born and bred, yeah. you know, and she was a Chinese actress first, uh, you know, a star in the Chinese market first. But her citizenship was revoked because of this film. Really? That's I think a bit in, I know, and so I think in ways that's a, that's a reason to watch it. Yeah, absolutely, that's interesting. Because um, the thing is, you know, if you watch something like 
I can see, you know, it's worth making Schindler's List and getting your citizenship revoked. But if you're going to go, I've made a slightly average Richard Gere courtroom drama. <laughs> That'll be it for me for China, then. I know, and I think that's actually one of the things. It's the fact that it's fictional as well. It feels like they were trying to... Yeah. I mean, obviously, <laughs> you, I'm not criticising a film purely for being fictional. Because <laughs> I like a lot of fictional films. It's another one but of those like... fictional movies. I don't think I've quite sort of formulated. No, I know what you mean. I'm trying to make in my head, but it's just. No, no. But if it was, they tried to make it too serious or something. Yes. I don't know. It's a good-ish Cold War-style thriller. There's some courtroom stuff. I genuinely think it's all right. (laughs) But the last ten minutes did annoy me enough that it kind of let me down. But until that point, it would have been a recommend from me, but a very kind of you know C recommend. Yeah. Now are we edging into a C minus or a D plus? Do you think? I think C minus. Yeah. I think I've still I, st- I still enjoyed watching Richard Gere enough, and it's got oh just a couple of other characters. Um, it's got uh, he's not a particularly important part in a way, but Bradley Whitford's in there from West Wing. Okay, you know him. Yeah, yeah, and um, stuff. And James Hong is in it, and I mean I know he's in absolutely everything, <laughs> but he's also in this, which I liked. Um, and yeah. I don't know. It was okay. Yeah. And I suppose it's, it's also... Oh, one interesting thing is that Richard Gere's about to work with the director again on a film called Three Christs, apparently. Oh, so really? it's timely. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's quite exciting, isn't it? Well, I'm sorry yeah. you had such a such a met movie in the end, dude. Well, I still... I, no, but the, that's the thing. Just describing it as a meh isn't quite accurate, you know, in that I definitely quite enjoyed watching it at times. So, you know, it wasn't one of those films that's left me just going, hmm. You know, yeah. it's left me going, huh. Hmm. Like that. Okay. Well, I'm not going to watch that. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say that. But I, um, I did watch something else. I gave myself a, um, a thriller. A thriller? No, a sequel. That's the word I meant. Why did I say thriller? A sequel to actually, um... Oh, oh, it's really? coming back. I remember what you I remember yeah. what you've got. See, it's a sequel, a sort of two times removed sequel to a movie I have a large amount of affection for. That is also a courtroom drama of a kind. Um, I watched Legally Blondes. Now, the original, I really do, I really do like. I, you know, it's, it's. I think it's actually, I think classic is probably stretching it a bit far, but it is a bit of a favourite. I think it's getting to that. I think it is a classic of its time in ways, and I and I think it's one of those films that's that's getting close to perfect in its own little, you know, in terms of what it's trying to I do mean, and what it what it achieves. It's I think it's awesome. I mean, along with Election, it's easily sort of oh, and maybe um, uh, that other thing she was in, but it's one of Reese Witherspoon's <laughs> finest hours anyway. But I think it's, it's, yeah. it's a nicely put together. It's another one of those like you know, stand up for the geeks kind of thing. It's nice. I like it. Anyway, yeah. the, I didn't watch that. I watched Legally Blondes. So. <laughs> The um, conceit of Legally Blondes is that it is not Elle Woods, because Legally Blonde 2 was her again, but this one, Reese Witherspoon, only exec produced, I believe. Um, Mm -hmm. And it is her cousins, who are from England, and they're twins, played by uh, Millie Rosso and Becky Rosso. I don't know them. No, they're in a couple of TV shows, and they're in a band, I think the band's been dropped by their label, anyway. Oh. They are two blonde teenage twins who come from England to go to school in the States. And they go to 
uh, Elle Woods's old school, and they're living because she's now become a lobbyist in Washington. She doesn't spend a lot of time in her California pad, so they're living in her house with right. their father because he's got a job as a professor at the University of California teaching something or other. So they go to Elwood's old school. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. They're both, you know, they're both quite enamored. Sorry, just, sorry, just you mean the school she was in before she went to Harvard in the first film? Um, well, not even what school as in uh, university. School as in high school, kind of thing. Oh, I see. But it's a, right, okay. it's a very exclusive, um, a very exclusive uh, private school. Of course, it is. Yeah. And the, they arrive in uh, Elle's house, which is all pink, and Elle has left them two little chihuahuas each. Well, one each, obviously, not two each. That'd be overkill. Um, but they go to their high school, and it is about their trials and tribulations at high school culminating in them having to win a case at the student court oh yeah okay so they don't even go to harvard in this no for, for quite a long time i thought there wasn't even going to be any courtroom in it but then it does happen <laughs> i was quite chuffed about that i was like oh god no <laughs> got a movie without any courtroom in at all but no they do actually settle into the, the student court because they have to protect themselves from losing their scholarship um because they are framed by the richest most popular girl in school who they come across with because they sort of uh, they take away some of her popularity and oh. her boyfriend starts to fancy them. Of course, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's it in a nutshell, really. Well, that, I mean, that sound that sounds like a good strong plot. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> and if you thought that about this movie to start with, you would be right. And frankly, I went into this with eyes open, thinking this is probably going to be quite bad. But could it be endearingly bad? That was sort of the hypothesis I had going in. Apart from the fact that, you know, I just didn't want to make every courtroom drama we watched a solidly, you know, um, you can't handle the truth style thing. No, exactly. Let's have a bit of difference. So I willingly threw myself under the bus and went for Legally Blondes. Now, the first thing to say, I mean, a lot of this, the first five minutes takes place in England. And as... We both know, and anyone who understands our accents knows, that's where we live. <laughs> and I think it's the first time I've ever watched a movie and felt pissed off by the portrayal of my country. Really? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because I always think of you as a very unprecious person when it comes to things like that. I'm not sort of Mr. Patriarch. I'm Mr. No. Pa- uh, Patriot. Uh, but basically, there's this. It starts with this. I mean, I'm going to start. I'm going to say, yeah, this this film is god awful. It's <laughs> really terrible. There was a point watching it when I wanted to get the DeLorean to go back in time to find my parents to kill them to make sure that I was never born so I could never watch this film. But i got to, there are there are certain avenues to explore about why this is so awful and it does leave me slightly conflicted at the end but right okay. the first 5 minutes in england they the script writers are just they they trot out more british clichés than you could ever possibly imagine and what is really horrific is they get actual english people to say them out of their mouths oh no and there's just like gags about the rain and gags about 
uh, fish and chips and gags about just every like just just get every possible cliche you can about the Brits chuck it into a blender and then spew it onto the page and that is the first five minutes quite apart from the fact that there's this really weird collection of helicopter shots at the end that are just way too fast over the English countryside so it's another movie where I've really noticed some bad heli work um, on top of that you're a real student of heli work I am I'm becoming so the Rosso sisters I think mm. are quite possibly some of the worst actors you will see in a movie ever. Oh, no, really. I mean, they're just appalling. Oh, no. They're really their only talent is being blonde and twins. They're not even, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't class them in that sort not, of. They're superficially quite good looking, but you know, you sort of look for more than four seconds and you go, you just, ah, oh, you just. Maybe it's just because you end up hating them so much. I'm not sure, <laughs> but they're awful and they're so vapid but theoretically they've got a scholarship to this school because they're so bright they sound awful they are awful they're so awful there's a scene where they go shopping on a day of drive and i wanted to kill myself after that and then i wanted to kill them and then myself again and then i mean there's things there's this constant barrage as well of just bad british gags like there's a couple of beckon gags in there one of them wanted to be a barrister and there's someone makes you obligatory like what serve coffee gag um and there's one point when someone, they walk into this hall and someone goes, wow, this must be like living in the Victoria and Albert Museum. You're like, well, no, that would just be rubbish because the V&A wow. is quite nice, but it's not very comfy, <laughs> is it? Um, there's, there's this terrible scene where they have a trampoline off with someone. Right. And, and, if, and they overcrank the film. So it's like artificially sped up when they do the trampolining, which is just appalling. Um <sighs> They, Sounds like Herbie. It's it's you know what Herbie is such a sophisticated comedy compared to this. <laughs> they um they basically walk off this thing just regurgitating tropes from the first film. So you know vacuous pink blah 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 but actually clever underneath it. Um, they have a instead of the the bend and um, bend and snap. Oh yeah, they've got like the turn and wave, and they can do that to people. Like it just it just recycles all these exactly the same tropes, just done in a slightly you know different way, transplanted to high school, um, with the kids being popular, kids being mean to them, and blah 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 blah, culminating in this really bizarre courtroom scene that is so bizarre you realise when you watch the credits because the credits is covered in deleted scenes, not outtakes. Not like, weren't we having right, fun? Yeah. Just deleted scenes. <laughs> and you go, oh, right, well, that makes a bit more sense now. But they would obviously just locked out. I mean, this is one of the bonuses. One of the best things you can say about this movie is it's 85 minutes long. Oh, that is good. That's really short. But yeah, they, 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 they put this stuff in the credits and you go, right, well, if you just moved that a bit further up and put it in the movie, that scene would have made a lot more sense. Like this massive plot point hinges on a dude who can't deal with noise. Like pencils sharpening or people coughing, it's really it's it's just very very bizarre. There's another scene when they get invited to a party. Oh, you look you. Oh, yeah, I feel really sorry for you, dude. You look really sort of grey and washed out by. Well, this I saw no. I, like, part of me enjoys hating it because I didn't. I, I hate to sort of you know. I want to find something positive in it. I really can't find anything positive in it. And this culminates in the final thing that really, really makes me upset about this film is that it represents... It almost represents to me like a gravestone. Right. Because this movie is directed by Savage Steve Holland. 
Savage I am aware Steve of Savage Holland Steve Holland made Better Off Dead. We mm. love Better Off Dead. <laughs> you know the, the the France bit. Is there, there are so many great moments in Better Off Dead that are just great comedy, and there are nothing in this qualifies as great comedy. Nothing that qualifies as great. Nothing that qualifies as good. Mm. And you think, what are you doing, Steve? You're presiding over this. <laughs> And you've roped in Curtis Armstrong. Yeah. Oh, is Curtis Armstrong in this too? Yes. Oh, because he's the best thing about Better Off Dead. He's easily the best thing about Better Off Dead, apart from France. <laughs> and... <laughs> oh, yeah. But he's given this terrible role being terrible. It's it, This is like... It's, I mean, it's very much a TV movie. It's right. very much a sub-TV movie. It's like it's made for Disney kids. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's got to be bad... Like High School Musical came out of Disney Kids. Kind of yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. And I, I, I toyed with the idea of this is so bad it's good, but it's just not. It's so bad it's bad. I don't think I hated it as much as um, Life Without Dick. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Because I really hated everyone. <laughs> I mean, I really hated them. Um, and I don't find it as repellent as Big Stan. Oh, yeah, okay. Because that had a that made you dark and nasty cross. core, yeah. which this doesn't. This is just utter toilet. And what is also upsetting <laughs> is I went on to Rotten Tomatoes, mm. and there are two professional critic reviews that just say it absolutely stinks. And then there are three reviews from punters, one of them who says, I love this movie, and another one from a guy, and I'm not trying to be... Um, you know, sexist here, but this is like a 50-year-old dude who's like, yeah, this movie was quite funny, and this and this and this and this, and you go, oh my god, there are people out there who thought this was good. This is a major problem in society. This is why certain people get elected. This is why certain events happen in the world, because people like you exist. Mm. So, what upsets me about this is not actually the movie itself. The movie itself is bad. What upsets me about it is what it's done to a director I really liked. And it showed me this gateway into society that there exist people who could think this is good because I do not know if I want to live in a universe where anyone can actually think this is good. But apart from that, you liked it? Yeah, no, absolutely. Solid, solid B recommender. Well, I think the other thing is that like, I feel offended because... I, you know, there's a special place in my heart for Legally Blonde. I really like it, so I don't like that it's messed with 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 with, with the memory. You are entirely correct, and that is the other thing. So that's three counts. <laughs> Brought a great director low, destroyed a little piece of the soul of, of Legally Blonde, <laughs> and given me a window into the vacuous soul of humanity that I never wanted to see mm. into. So, all in all, not to recommend, people. Unless you actually, you know what? If you fancy really loathing something for just being, well, no, that's 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 overstating the case. If you fancy just looking at what, if you want inspiration, here we go. Sorry, that's <laughs> the point here. If you want, if you're out there and you're a budding filmmaker, and you want inspiration, watch Legally Blondes and be inspired at how anything can actually get made, no matter what it is, that someone out there will pay. To put any old shit on the screen. Uh, I mean, I, I, do I dignify it with a letter? It's an E. It's a solid. It sounds e. like an it's E, and it definitely doesn't dumb. sound like a. It doesn't sound like a Z. Nah, it's not a Z. It's doesn't not a doesn't Z, sound like have the, the qualities of Sinbad that I enjoyed so much. No, gosh, I still need to watch that. Actually. You've got to watch. But it. Um, 
but yeah, it's an E. It's a solid E. But like I say, uh, buddy filmmakers out there, it's inspiration that you can vomit on 72 or 85 pages and someone will still let you put it into people's homes. Fantastic. So that was, yeah, that was, that was our second movie. As per normal, we both watched another movie together. Yes, we well, did. Not again, yeah, not together. Know, well, one of these days we should try watching one actually together, don't you think? Yeah, that would be quite... Although then it'd be quite hard to uh, keep from each other what we thought of it. We'd have to sit there and stony face Oh, yeah, silence. you're right. That would. T- well, we could watch a film live, maybe. No, that could be... Oh, yeah, that could, interesting. That could not work. Yeah. Either way, yes, the third film. And you chose this third film as well, didn't you? Of course I did. And it's... I'm going to get... You're rubbish at titles, so I'm going to get in there with the title. Unless... Have you, have I'm, you been I practicing? I was not saying it in hope. I was not saying this in the hopes that you would do it. <laughs> the title, everyone, is Criminal Law. And it's from that's it's it. from 1989. Really generic title, isn't it? <laughs> but it's Criminal Law from 1989, and um, let's just get the main our main stu our, our main two stars. Our main two stars are Kevin Bacon, yes, and Gary Oldman, yes, a really really young Gary Oldman, yeah. Yeah, and if you look, I mean, he actually had he has quite a, quite a bit of work before 1989, but I suppose his first big film, as in well-known performance, is um, Sid and Nancy, isn't it? Yeah. But I think the first film I knew him from was the year after this was Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are Dead, the one that was well, played by Tom Stoppard, but directed by Tom Stoppard with Tim yeah, Roth. Yeah, but he looks he looks older in that. I think. Yeah, he does. Like, at I, some I totally point, Oldman suddenly flips from looking quite fresh-faced to looking a bit like a bullseye. <laughs> And it happens really quickly. I know. Well, he, I totally agree. His face looks much more beaten up by Rosencrantz, which was only the year after this. I think I'm remembering. Oh, well, Le- Leon wasn't that much. Yeah, Leon's ninety three or four, isn't it? He would have been filmed. Yeah, and so. he looks a lot older in yeah, that as well. Yeah. He looks particularly fresh faced in Criminal Law. Yeah, yeah, he does. And um, should we get in the director? It's directed by um, Martin Campbell, um, who's which is a key yeah, so director, that's, isn't that's, he? Yeah, yeah, but directed Goldeneye, directed Casino Royale, directed a whole boat. Yeah, Oscar Zorro. He's you know he's directed a couple of my favourite modern Bond movies. Yeah, well, uh, it, they, the the Bond movies that illustrate my brilliant rule that the best Bond films are always the first one of of the new actor, apart from Doctor yeah. No. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but he also directed. So you put Skyfall above Casino Royale, would you? Oh, sorry, Casino Royale above Skyfall. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I like mm, I like I, I, I like too. Skyfall, but I just the Casino Royale. I just genuinely think the poker scenes are just amongst my favourite bits of Bond in recent years. And Goldeneye is definitely the best of the Pierce Brosnans. I mean, oh, it's, it's dated and it's Goldeneye's a bit Goldeneye is the only watchable Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, I think there is a little bit of watchable stuff in the second one, but I agree. The second one's got Ooh, a terrible bad guy. Um, yeah. And all the ones after that are basically diminishing I'm returns. I'm not sure what only Rogers first. Is good. No, no, no! It's just they're they're always the best. Like Live and Let Die, yeah. I think is Roger is Roger's. You're best. probably right. Live and Let. Uh, I see. I I do like the Spy You Love Me. Yeah, me too. Me too, that. very yeah. much. I really, I do really do. I mean, I actually really like um, For Your Eyes Only. I think that's got a nice. It's got a slightly more low key vibe for for the Roger Moore's. But I mean, I like yeah. all the Roger Moore's really. The only way. I, I said, why? He was my Bond growing up. Yeah, exactly. I, the only one I kind of tire of a little bit at the time was. Uh, man with the golden gun but last time I watched that I was thinking what was I talking about it's amazing oh yeah Moonraker's bollocks though. yeah but even that I quite like bits of it yeah, yeah. yeah. anyway anyhow <laughs> James Bond is not in criminal law no. and he's not even an advocate no 
No, so so what's what's the story, Johnny? Right, all right. But the plot is that so um, Gary Oldman is the goody, um, and he's a Boston attorney called Ben Chase, mm-hmm. who right at the beginning of the film is defending Kevin Bacon, who's a basically a sort of wealthy playboy type, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. and I think right from the top, Bacon's quite creepy. Really. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a sort of he, creepy smile he holds th- throughout the film, more or less. And um, but he does it very well. Like he does, he does both very well. He does like the, you know, the the tremorsy, likable guy, and then the creepy criminal law. I um, really, really love him in Tremors. I think that's my favourite Kevin Bacon film. I really yeah. just think he's great in that. But yeah. yeah, so I agree. I agree. And in and in this, he's sort of he's creepy from the beginning. And, and oh yeah, so the point is that there's been a murder. And right at the beginning, Gary Oldman gets him off for this particularly vicious murder of a woman. You don't see the murder, do you? It starts in the court case, I think. Yeah, it starts in the courtroom. Weird. And um, that is, unfortunately, for a courtroom drama, <laughs> the only bit of courtroom we <laughs> yeah, have. So the first, like, ten minutes is some, is some solid courtroom. There's wood. There's a judge. <laughs> <laughs> there's a jury, even. It's a proper courtroom. I know, but, dude, you um, have chosen a film with the word law in the title... And about yes. a lawyer, I think the thing is, we, we've we've gone for legal thrillers, haven't we? <laughs> well, no, they were all in courtrooms, as far as I can. Legally Blondes isn't a legal thriller; it just does have a courtroom section. And that's something I forgot to mention in my review. They have a courtroom in their high school. That's weird. It's really weird. Anywho, <laughs> enough about that. Criminal law. So yes, unfortunately, we don't get much courtroom drama after that, but we do get. Uh, an escalating situation. Yeah, so he gets Bacon off the murder. And yeah. at this point, I think... I don't know whether he really... He, do, he doesn't suspect Bacon is guilty of it at this point. I'm not sure. Really. I, it's I think a bit ambiguous, isn't it? But I, he, I, I think he's just we, done we later his job. Find out, so we later find out that he's sort of like... His legal hero is a bit of... One of those classically unscrupulous sort of like... Lawyers who doesn't, you know... Unscrupulous maybe is a bit harsh, but you know, a, a lawyer who will defend anyone over anything. Yeah, um, very much. We're looking at someone very much in the mould of Kiefer Sutherland. Kiefer Sutherland. Um, oh, I'm such a bad. We're looking at someone very much um, in the mould of Keanu Reeves in Devil's Advocate. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Good call. Very good. Yes. Yeah. And um, I mean, whether he he realizes or not. Is not really touched on, but the point is that the critical sort of early plot point is that he receives a phone call. So he's got Kevin Bacon off celebration. Cue a, a drunken him getting drunk scene. Then yes. Kevin Bacon gives him a call and says, "Come and meet me at this place." And it's some. And then the next scene is a very rainy, windswept scene where he goes to meet Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon in a park. In a park, and Kevin Bacon doesn't show, but a corpse does. He turns up the corpse. Uh, not just a corpse. No, a um, a lady corpse. It's a sort of raped and on fire corpse. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's quite an impressive corpse, quite frankly. <laughs> the whole stomach's on fire. It's quite weird. Yeah, it's pretty gross. And so, you know, he goes, ah! And um, and so, obviously, he starts to realise... Well, he realises quite quickly that he's helped a guilty man go free. And then... Yeah, then... Essentially, Kevin Bacon has no qualms in him knowing that he did it. Yeah. It's it's not really a spoiler to go. I expect you. Well, I I think there's one thing you missed out as well that was a real telegraph. Is between him getting drunk and and Bacon calling him, we see a news report of like another woman has been killed oh, in a manner. Yeah. Okay. Good point. Surprisingly, like 
that of the person which Kevin Bacon got off for. So you go, oh, right, so he's got out of prison and immediately killed someone again. That's right. Yes, okay, thank you, dude. That's well remembered. Like I say, I watched this a long time ago now. <laughs> <laughs> but then I suppose so, you yeah, call so it a bit of a cat and mouse sort of, you know, jewel of wits type thing. With this. Yeah, it feels like a very 90s thriller to me. Yeah. Um, it's... Uh, yeah, he, he's sort of... Sorry, or late 80s, early 90s thriller. And yeah, so he then has to make a choice, mm-hmm. essentially. Does he represent Bacon um, because he's going to be that guy? Or does he torpedo his legal career and uh, dob Bacon in? Now, the, the odd choice dob he didn't Bacon make... in is one of my... That's a particularly <laughs> pleasing set of words. Dob Bacon but... in. <laughs> Actually, that's a small, uh, that's a small hostelry <laughs> yeah. in the west of Cornwall. Um no, does he does he surrender bacon to the police? <laughs> oh. <laughs> one of my <laughs> one of my favourite things, by the way, is the fact this has got Joe Don Baker in as well. Oh yeah, I just love. yeah, I was going to yeah. mention him. So yeah, so some of the other characters in it. There's Tess Harper plays a detective, then Joe Don Baker mm-hmm. plays another detective, and both there's a several scenes where they, you know, near the beginning anyway, where they say. You know, it's that classic sort of scene where it's the clash between the lawyer who doesn't want to give up facts about his client and the angry detectives who do. Um, and the angry detectives who hate defence lawyers yeah. who get their guilty clients off. Yeah, exactly. But but what, what what I find, and you know, he has to make this choice though between giving up giving up the bacon <laughs> or working for the bacon. <laughs> and <laughs> what he never really does. Well, and I don't think they discuss it. Is he never goes? Oh well, what I could do is just 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 recuse myself from the case, and you can get another lawyer. Mm. That's not a path he ever seems to consider. Oh yeah, he doesn't just go. Oh, I just don't think I'll work for you. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Do, 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 do. I mean, obviously, you would feel quite guilty knowing that there was a horrific murderer running around. Yeah. But it does mean. That he torpedoes his legal career if he breaks client confidentiality. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, I mean, basically as well, because um, the the baddie has, has has got off that murder, he he, ca- he he can't try him. You know, he can't be tried again. So his idea is that now he wants to try and make him incriminate himself. Yes, you know that's what he tries to do. And um, I mean, I think we sort of need to stop soonish in terms of how much more plot we give away. Just... Oh no, I think we stop there. We go basically go. He decides that actually he's going to scupper Bacon's plans and try and get him caught by the police. Yeah, and oh, and, and there's and there's love interest. Yes, Karen Young plays the love interest, and she is the friend of the murdered girl. Yeah. who um, Kevin Bacon finds in the park. Not Kevin Bacon, but yeah. yes. No, sorry. Well, Kevin Bacon probably puts in the Yeah, park. Kevin Bacon puts in um, the park. And... Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she, she's her friend, and it takes a very short amount of time for her and Gary Oldman to start doing the crazy dance of love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, more of that later. Um, so, just overall, this... I mean, it sort of puts me in mind of Jagged Edge. Did you know? Yes, that's not a bad comparison. Just because it's not bad. Similar kind of thing where there's sort of although that's definitely like um there's there's a de- definitely you don't know whether Bridges has done it or not until the finale, um and in this you definitely know that Kevin Bacon is uber bad, um but it's just sort of it's got that sort of um atmosphere. Yeah, it's got that. It feels like it feels like so many other movies, which is one of the things I like about it. Yeah, um, it feels like 
striking distance, which is terrible. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. It, it has that sort of like it has that bone collector, which is also terrible. Oh yeah, God, that's uh, awful, vibe. isn't it? I quite like that. Um, yeah, but it has that just that kind of like rainy, mm. dark. I tell you what, other thing it reminds you of, uh, just for no other reason than it's a sort of similar era is Pacific Heights. Oh yes, it's okay. that sort of same feeling to the Pacific Heights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which I do really. Well, like. in ways, I think we could describe this because I think it is a bit of a forgotten film, and I think we could describe it as a bit of a hidden gem. In that, I really enjoyed bits of it, and I thought the direction, or at least the cinematography, was pretty good at times and stuff like that. But the yep. biggest surprise no. for me, by a mile. <laughs> Was it like I was really excited about seeing a Gary Oldman <laughs> flick, and I yeah. genuinely think he was the worst thing about this film. He was a bit angry, <laughs> wasn't he? he? Really is. This, I think. I thought Kevin Bacon was great, see, and I think he's always great. I'm a bit of a bit of a fan, but yeah, you're right. Gary Oldman was a bit like he was really overacting oh. or something. I mean, yeah. okay, so there's this scene quite near the beginning where I can't quite work out whether he was playing squash or rackets, some kind of <laughs> indoor game involving rackets and hitting a ball against the wall. And I've never... It just... I, he was just running around like a mad thing. It put me in mind of... On his own? Yeah, it was really weird. Just running back and forth really over the top, like, like someone acting playing squash or something. And it was obviously... You know, it was trying to show that he's tenacious and that he plays hard and win at all costs and all that. But it was just ridiculous. It made me laugh out loud. I just thought, no one runs around like that. He's like Hunter Carson read... from Invaders from Mars. Have you read or listened to um, the Alan Partridge uh, biography? No. Right, I Partridge, we need to talk about Alan. It's great. And uh, if anyone's out there, I urge... If anyone's out there, um, I urge you to download the audiobook because it's absolutely awesome. Right. If you are a fan of Alan Partridge. But there is... um, He's talking about this fictional character he's created when he's trying to sort of pitch ideas to TV networks. And he's got this Norfolk-based detective called Swallow. And Swallow's thing is, he does jigsaws. (laughs) And that's how I kind of felt about the squash thing. It's kind of like Gary Oldman's thing is, he does squash on his own (laughs) and hits the ball really hard. And that's his kind of like, they were like the scriptwriters. They're going, he's got to have a gimmick. He's got to have a thing. Like, should we make him an alcoholic? No, no, that's a bit unsympathetic. Shall we, um, should we make him into strippers? No, that's a bad idea. Oh, what about, you know, there's something... uh, Gun range. No, no. no. Oh, 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 I know. He could just go and like get all his frustration out on the squash court, on on his own. <laughs> yeah, that would be kind of moody and cool. <laughs> like, no, it won't. It's be just be a bit silly. Yeah. And Gary Oldman will just do torture. And it just it, it just looked weird. And I just think yeah. there's something about his. Perf- the other th- scene I was going to bring up is the sex scene, Benjamin. I want to talk about the sex scene. Yes. You can talk about the sex scene. <laughs> Basically, it's quite similar to the squash or indoor tennis scene. In that, <laughs> let's just say that Gary Oldman is really going for it uh, with um, uh, oh, oh, what's the name of the actress again? Uh, Karen Young. Yeah. And um, and frankly, it's slightly laughable, and it's shot in a really weird way. But there's this kind of because by this point he's fully immersed in the sort of you know this this awful situation he's in. There's a bit when she briefly becomes her head Kevin Bacon becomes Kevin Bacon so he's yes. having really quite violent sex with a woman whose Doesn't, head becomes I'm... Kevin Bacon am I wrong am I imagining this wrong does it not start off with that classic um, quote about um, he who fights monsters oh uh, the Nietzsche one himself. Nietzsche yeah. Yes. Well, the Nietzsche one is about looking into the abyss and the abyss looking into you isn't it or is it, or is, or is it in each one about the monsters oh, I can't remember I don't know do I can never work out whether it's been um 
But yes, Mars Rise. it does. But start it starts with that. with that, and this is like they've gone. Oh, oh yes, because um, because uh, he's going to become the monster. So we'll have a, a scene where he is having violent sex with her. We'll make it slightly ambiguous with it because she doesn't seem that disturbed by it, which is weird. Um, no, it's that, a weirdly when, when start, played someone, scene, isn't it? It is really weird because if anyone I was having um, sexy times with got that angry a face on and started essentially sort of strangling me and then being that weird, I'd be like, yeah, I've just got to go anywhere else, <laughs> and never see you again. But that was the funny thing. The sex scene was almost like the squash scene. Yeah, it is. It very much is. Oh, that would be awesome if the, if the, if the squash racket's head had turned into <laughs> Kevin Bacon's head. <laughs> oh, God, I wish that had happened. But people, honestly, like this film, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm going to say right now, this film isn't a avoid at all costs, but people should no. definitely, definitely watch this film and get to that scene and watch that scene because it's just one of the funniest things I've ever seen, just him, him having quite violent sex and then suddenly the head turns into Kevin Bacon <laughs> doing a really good, creepy smile. It was just like, wow, that's really amazing. Everyone should see this. Um, yeah, I... I think I think there are certain things to me that let it down. There are certain central mm. plot conceits that let it down. Definitely, um, you know. There's. Uh, I don't want to. I'm not going to give any spoilers away. But I'm not. I don't go a great bundle on the fact they bother going into Kevin Bacon's motivation, and it's also pretty bloody flimsy. Yes, it's all to do with his mother and stuff, isn't it? And what she does. Oh, hey, no, no spoilers. No. Okay. Okay. Um, but also, there is the creepy mother moment, and there's like. There is a there is a ludicrous bit with secret passages. Yeah, there, what, no, no, funny oh, as well. I, I I disagree. I was pleased to see a secret tunnel. It put me, you know, I, was, I felt like, oh wow, we're in sort of classic, you know, the Red House mystery kind of murder mystery yeah, yeah. land. Well, I thought it felt a bit Batman. But as well, well, did, like the funny thing is because he goes to visit, he goes to the Playboy's house when the Playboy isn't around, and um, <laughs> and he goes to his room, and his room is this weird, creepy, like maritime themed like dungeon. That's the funniest, like a really nautical vibe to it the is creek. Really naughty. It's a bit like someone decided to do a maritime park. <laughs> it's really weird and quite funny. But as well, like there's this scene when he goes boating with um, Kevin Bacon. Um, yes. And, and I think it's this scene. I, I actually know I've, I've, I wrote, you know, sometimes we write down a line that we found really funny. Yeah. And the, I think one of the worst lines of this is, is, is Kevin Bacon says, I love the rain. It washes everything away. Makes it clean. <laughs> I just thought, oh my god did you just say that but there was I mean I thought the script of this was kind of okay but there are definitely moments of clunk like that didn't you think yes yeah yeah absolutely i tell you what I found really clunky what? was um, his uh, his mentor oh yes he uh, was I was going to basically he'd occasionally go and see his old mentor and his old mentor would go ah well mm. here's a wise aphorism yeah now go away and Take take that lesson away, and he, it's like it was just so. That was really, really hard. Hundred percent agree. And he had very annoying eyebrows. Oh, and the best one actually, he said, "Was it him?" I can't remember. The best, my favourite line is it in it was, and I remember, a crazy killer <laughs> is crazy, and he will kill it you. It was John. I've written that down, dude. Because like uh, that, that was Joe Don Baker. Oh, he says, a, a crazy, crazy killer, killer is crazy and he will crazy. kill you yeah oh brilliant yeah. yeah yeah bus driver is driving a bus and he will dr- drive you somewhere i thought in ways that was the best line yeah i thought may, we should may, introduce may a new feature to this podcast where we have best line worst line and we both no, like we it. both select a best line and a worst line but yeah my best line was a crazy killer is crazy and he will kill you and my worst line was i love the rain it washes everything away it makes it clean <laughs> <laughs> well done you've done very well on your headway um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think we've I think we've sort of sprouted uh, 
ineloquently enough about this, but yeah. I think overall you're right. It's a firm C for me. It's really not terrible. It's quite watchable, yeah. but it has some moments. Like if you're a fan of that sort of late eighties, early nineties kind of thriller involving rain, um, <laughs> and if you like to see Gary Oldman looking young, and if you like Kevin Bacon, just you know slap it on. You've yeah. got nothing to lose. Hundred percent. And and like we're both Ke- uh, Kevin Bacon. Well, we're both Kevin Bacon fans, but we're both we're both Gary Oldman fans, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. And absolutely. I definitely think that fans of Gary Oldman should watch this because I do think it's interesting because he's obviously a you know a genius of his generation. But this is definitely him having a slight you know it's a slightly I, troubled. I tell you actually strangely who he slightly reminded me of in the movie was Christian Bale playing Bruce Wayne. God, yeah, no, he looked exactly like Christian Bale at times. Yeah, yeah. But he, I he mean, really the thing is, is something quite Bailey about him. I don't know. I mean, his hair was annoying. He just he, he didn't look that good in this, did he? No, no, no. He looks. He, he does. It's a kind of. It's a. It's almost like a pre-Grisham character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah, the. Yeah. It's like yeah, the smallish town lawyer. Whether it's Boston, it feels quite small. It must be outside of Boston. Yeah. And he's he's got a, look, he's got the world's most lovely office, but he's a bit unkempty and has a tendency to overdrink and yada yada. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, it's my turn to choose genre, um, yes. and I thought it'd be interesting and uh, ties in nicely with the fact that you watch Legally Blonde. To do a cross-genre subject of sequels, so Ooh, we've I just like got that. to find some sequels on Netflix to something. I suppose, or should I insist that it's a sequel to something we've seen the first film of? <laughs> Sorry, that's a really that's bad sentence. Quite hard because we've seen a lot of trash that won't ever have a sequel made of it. Well, it's just that you remember how much you enjoyed um, Ouija Experiment. There is Ouija Experiment Two. There is. You could watch that. <laughs> no, you, can that. Doubt, you can have I that. You can have that. Very much doubt. Nearly everything we've seen. There are a few sequels. Mm. Um, so sequels, it is for next time. Oh, by the way, did you have any ideas for the for to change the intro? Because I had one. Instead of um, uh, what is it now? Remind um, put, add to your list or smash with your fist. Yeah, to fling to your screen or vent with your spleen. It doesn't make sense. So, <laughs> if anyone out there has got an idea that's better than that, there must be I'm some. Pretty sure there must be someone. Um, if you could also ping that across to us, that would be marvellous. We are available for kids' parties, bonfires, <laughs> discos. No, we are contactable on um, on email at wewatchanything at gmail.com. On Facebook, we watch anything, and on that Twitter thing at we watch anything. And uh, one of those three will certainly get to us because we uh, we peruse our social media like hawks, <laughs> just inactive hawks who don't post very much on it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, right. I, I'm very pleased with how this has gone. Me too. I'm really pleased with the ending as well. I, I think this is a really good ending. That's good. I'm glad. I know you do evaluate these quite highly. Yeah, I do. So, yeah, I think we're good. Bye, everyone. Right, well, thanks for listening. Get in touch if you want. Get in touch if you've got anything to say. Thanks for listening. And we'll be with you soon to uh, to throw some sequels around. Yes, we will. Goodbye. Bye.